church uh, out in Long Island, New York. Uh, a mother and a father on a Sunday afternoon after church went to sit out on the beach with their daughter, young daughter, and someone was uh, swimming out in the uh, Long Island Sound, but the young man was drowning. And so the man, uh, the father, took off his shoes and went into the surf and tried to save the young man but died in the process. And the mother uh, of the little girl, um, you know, in those days they didn't have social assistance programs, but uh, she wrote this beautiful song about trusting in Jesus um, as you go through um, uh, the difficult times in life and how God provides for you. And so she was provided for by the church of many believers with food and care for her and her daughter. And this song comes from her words after um, burying her husband and trusting in Jesus. So let's stand together and sing Steve is Not Here. Um, and I'm going to be playing for you today, so pray for me. <laughs> Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, and to know the sake the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I pray. Trust in more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, and in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing cleansing blood. Jesus, Jesus. seated. Good morning. You know, it's tough to avoid sin in this life, but the good news is, is that God tells us if we confess our sin, He will be removed from us as far as the east is to the west. Please join me this morning in this morning's prayer of confession. Almighty God, as we stand before you, we realize you see us as we really are in our sinful ways. 
the words we speak, the attitudes we have, and the actions we take have fallen way short of your perfection. The fear of death we have is confiscated by the power of your resurrection. The shame of our guilt is swallowed up in the ocean of your mercy. The stain of our sin has been washed by the pure cleansing detergent of your blood. O oh Lord, how blessed we are to be completely free of all that and to live in the confidence of an assured future. All this we can experience because of the love you brought to us through Jesus' death on Calvary. This, Almighty God, gives us cause to rejoice in you forever in Jesus. Amen. Our assurance of forgiveness this morning comes from 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. God paid a ransom to save you from the impossible road to heaven which your fathers tried to take, and the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, as you very well know. But he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless life of God. Our guidelines for living this morning also comes from 1 Peter 1, verses 21 through 22. Because of this, you can, your trust can be in God, who raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Now your faith and hope can rest in him alone. Now you can have real love for everyone because your souls have been cleansed from selfishness and hatred when you trusted Christ to save you. So see to it that you really do love each other warmly and with all your hearts. Let's continue in our worship. If you can, please stand and let's share in these praise choruses together.
Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege that we have to worship you, to honor you, and give you glory. It truly is a privilege because it's a gift from you, God, from your Holy Spirit, and through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, help us as we appreciate it, and we are so grateful for you being our friend. In the times that we are good and when the times we're bad, and for our struggles that you shower down your mercy and forgiveness and give us new chances and new life. Thank you, Father, for your blessed Son. In Jesus' name, amen.
for the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day and for the opportunity we have to worship you. I pray, Father God, especially as we um, come before you, Lord, and we bring our needs and our concerns before you. As you promised, you spread a large ear to hear all of our concerns and prayers. Lord, today I thank you that you are involved. You know you are in control of all that goes on in the universe. We know there are people who want global society. We know there are nationalists. We know there's all kinds of things going on in our world. And we know that you're in control. And we hand that all over to you. And we're grateful that you are going to take care of that. Help us to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I pray for our nation. I pray for our president and our Congress and for the judicial branches of government that they truly will find your way and walk in your way and do what's right in your sight. I pray for the church of Jesus Christ as she battles, especially within our world. I praise you, God, for our church board this week and the bold step they made to leave our denomination and move forward to another denomination because we've come to the point, Lord, that there's just things that are not reconcilable anymore and it's easy to follow the world rather than to stand tall. And so we have decided to stand tall for you, Christ. And I pray that the actions we take and the work that we do, Lord, will honor you in all that we do. We pray, Father God, too, for our church and for the church universal that it will stand tall and that revival will come and that people will know we're sincere about your word and what you have to say. That we don't back down, Lord, but we stand tall. And that we love people, no matter how different they are, no matter what they have done with their lives, and that we can love them to see you, Jesus, and to come before your face and to see and understand how you've made them and how much you love them and you want them to do what's right in your eyes. And that you want them to know you as their Lord and Savior and find salvation. Help us to be bold standers and bold proclaimers of that word. We pray also, too, for those in our church right now that are struggling. I think several marriages that I know that are struggling or that are moving uh, continue to go and plot along but are struggling, Lord. I just pray that you'll work in those situations and that they will put you, Christ, as the center of their marriages and they can rebuild those marriages on the foundation of Jesus Christ and the commands of the Word of God. I pray also, too, for those marriages that are seem to be solid, Lord, I pray that they continue to walk in you, to love each other and show that. We pray also, too, for those that are struggling with their health issues. We think of Kay, Lord, and the battles she's had with her body for a while now. We just pray for healing for her. I also want to pray for Dave Johnson and uh, an officer that is retired that is battling right now with cancer in his life. I pray also for our sister Lucille who continues to battle with hers. And also um, I pray for Mary and I pray for Joyce as they battle with their health issues. I pray for those that are battling with addictions, Lord, that we know of. I just pray for their healing. I pray for a dad who's struggling with his health right now. I pray for another person who just found out they're filled with cancer and there's nothing that they can do. We know that you're the divine healer and can heal. But if not, 
that, Lord, their hope in you, Jesus, can carry them through as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death and have no fear because you are by their side. I pray also, too, Father God, for a friend that is going through a difficult time in his life right now. Just lift him, give him strength. Be with his family situation, Lord. And there's other situations that we know of, Lord. I just pray as we lift them up by name. You know what's going on, Lord. Hear our prayers. And now, Lord, take the words of Scripture here and make them come alive to our hearts, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. We all realize you can't believe everything you hear. There's a lot of things out there on the internet right now that headline or that are a soundbite that sound believable but are not true. There's some things that we've heard all throughout our lives that are not true. And yet we've bought into them. Did you know that bulls are not really engaged when they see red? Do you realize that lightning can strike and does strike in the same place oftentimes? Did you realize that eating less than an hour before swimming does not cause you cramps? How many have heard those, some of those stories or we believe them? Or preparing or, or popping your knuckles causes arthritis. Or mother birds abandon their babies if a human touches them. I don't know many mamas that do that, and even the birds don't. You see, we hear a variety of myths. And there are a variety of myths that are out in our world about God. Some people say that God, that the Holy Spirit, for instance, is not a person, but that the Holy Spirit is a force, and that's not true. The Bible says He is a person, the third person of the Trinity. We hear a lot of people who say that there are different aspects of life that God has touched and that he really has touched everything. We also know that Christians often make declarations about the nature of Jesus. They say he's a good teacher or a fine instructor, but they don't say anything about him being almighty God. See, all these myths are out there. And John comes to us today in this book and wants us to know the truth from the error. And he wants us to be able to spot them as soon as we can and deal with them. John wrote this beautiful book of 1 John in order to combat Gnosticism, which is a false teaching about the incarnation of Christ and about the way we live. And I know a lot of people who would like to live the way the Gnostics did. They said that the Gnostics believe that your body, it doesn't matter what you do with your body, as long as your heart is right. And that's a false that John deals with and says, no, you sin with your body and it counts with God. He also said that the incarnation, that Jesus being God is false. And John said, no, he came in the flesh. We touched him, we felt him. And that also John wanted us to know that we can know. And the Gnostics were saying, you can't know that you're of God. And John says, no, we do know. And yes, we can know that we are of God. And then John goes on to talk about the three different things that you can tell that you're changed in your heart by the Holy Spirit, by the way you morally live, that your test is obedience to God. Number two, that you can know that you're of God because of the social test, that you love your brothers 
and sisters. And number three, the doctrinal test that you believe that Jesus has come, he died and rose again, and that he lives within your heart, and we're to abide in him. And that you are righteousness. You have given your life to Christ. You right now positionally are already righteous in God's sight. And that right now as we go on in this life, we are practically showing that we are of Christ. So positionally, you're already declared righteous by God. And as a born-again believer, you are now working out your sanctification as you move along in life and becoming more like Jesus Christ. But then John says also there's an antichrist. And John says we're living in the last times right now. But now John turns to us and wants us to go on the offensive. John is telling us that no longer we not only live defensively and back away from the things or to push away the things that are wrong, but now we're on the attack. And John gives us his first commandment and he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Now John is speaking about the pneuma, which is a spirit that works inside of us. And we have the Holy Spirit, but there are spirits out there that want to testify to false teachings. And John has said, test those spirits. If somebody says something about God, you deal with it by asking the tough questions. Don't believe every spirit. It's so easy to fall into that trap. And John wants us to be made on, on top of that. Because we need to be able to defend not only our faith, but the friends around us and to fight the battle. And John, who claims that the Spirit of God is in people who truly believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And that's why John tells us to test these spirits. And many times we hear people speak about God. How many times have we heard some of the errors that they speak about? People knock on your doors, my doors, and say, we've got the truth here. Read our little magazine. And John says, ask them the question. Who is Jesus? Who is he about? You are set apart what does he look like? You know, there's amazing thing that people buy into the package today. They're not so concerned about what's in the package or the content. They're more concerned about what it looks like outside. And many false teachings are coming into the church because it sounds like Christianity and it looks like Christianity, but really is not. And they may have a charismatic presence that they talk very well on TV. And they make a great presentation, but they're not speaking the truth. We want to hear more about God's love than we want to hear about his holiness. People want to hear how it's going to make them better. And it's all about self and not about how I can honor Jesus Christ. And John is fully aware of that not only in his day, but in our day. And that person may get up there and say some pretty nice things. But ask yourself the question, is he teaching the truth? That's John's big question. What is he saying? You know, our society loves what they see. They, they, they are, what he looks like or what that preacher sounds like. It makes them feel. But John is saying here, it's not about being feeling good. It's being holy before Almighty God and living for Him. And that we need to test what they're saying, where the Spirit is that's within their message. And so he goes on to say, and he commands us not only to test the spirits, but then he says, what's the cause? Whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. There are tons of speakers out there. 
There are tons of preachers out there. And we have to ask ourselves what they're really teaching. You know, it's amazing to me, but they've done a study and they found that conservative Christians, evangelical types, have to be so careful because they're consumed by conspiracies. And they're not listening to what God has to say. And it's so easy to get caught up into certain things that are needed even of God. And John is saying to us, don't get caught up into that. They may even say they've got the answer. But test it. Question it. The red flag should be that they're saying something different than what God wants to say. It's all about a spirituality and emotions and psychology rather than listening to God. And that people are greatly harmed in this, the teachings that they give out. Some people stop going to their church because they heard another preacher preach something different and claiming his own words rather than God's words. Some of them also fine. I, 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 I'm gonna, no, I'll talk about it later. I think of those whose situations where particular preachers have said the Lord told them and thus it is. I remember when I was in seminary I worked for a church in Jenison, Michigan, and in that city, there was a woman who had diabetes. And she told that the preacher gave, gave a healing service and said, your diabetes is gone. And then one of his friends came up to her and said, well, why don't you go to the doctor and see if your diabetes condition is gone? She said, no, the preacher said that wouldn't be in faith then and it would take it away. And she believed her preacher. And tragically, she went into a diabetic coma and died. And that preacher was held up on charges because of what he said to her. And what he said, he believed she had no longer diabetes and didn't have to take her medicine. You see, this is how hurtful and dangerous it can be. And now what it can do, a false prophet can say, and what kind of things he can say. And the word pneuma here, there are many spirits, the scriptures say here today, that can be easily talked about and done and that are false and ruin people's lives. A person who's a teacher acts and professes that inspired by the Holy Spirit of divine inspiration. Check it out. That's what John says. Test it. Don't fall into the fact that, that, that you just buy into it. These Gnostic teachers, and that's what happened. That's why they made so much headway in the early church. Because people believed what they were saying. They were professed to be this knowing people, Gnosticism. And they followed that. This all goes back even to Moses' day. Moses had the same difficulty in his day. Notice what he says. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams... And he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he has spoken to you, saying, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to words that the prophet or the dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And what Moses had here is a people who could even do wonders. And impressed people that they had some sacred power. That power was from the devil. And that they believed it. And notice what he said. Let's do other gods. 
And John said, no. How many times do we have people who come along in our society knock on the door, give you a little magazine called The Watchtower. And many times they've come and said, the end of times is coming. Back in 1914, many people sold their lands, sold everything and gave it away because they actually believed that the prophets from the Jehovah's Witnesses, that they were going to be no longer needing it and they sold it. And then they came up empty. And then the, the witnesses said, well, he came back in a spiritual form, but not in a physical form. And they were out all their property and their money. John knows about the Bereans and Acts. We see that happen. And this is the kind of people we need to be. If somebody says, and there, here they are listening to the Apostle Paul. But notice what the Bereans are doing. They received the word with eagerness, but examined the scriptures daily to see whether these were really true. This is what we need to do when you hear somebody on the TV or the radio. Even myself, if something doesn't measure up to the word of God, deal with it, question it, question me. I've had people done that before. Because you see, there's many false prophets out there. The health and wealth gospel. And they hear them say, just visualize yourself in a new mansion. And God will give it to you. Visualize yourself getting a good parking spot near the door at the mall. It's ridiculous. The Bible here says to us, stay true to God's word. One of the things that's concerning, it slips into our society. I have nothing against people doing the exercise of yoga. I've even done it myself to loosen up and to be able to warm up. And now it's coming into grade schools to help children. It's also coming to companies. It's also coming to municipal employees. A way of practically relaxing and getting rid of some of the negative energy. But do you know that yoga means praise to Lord Shiva? And that yoga is getting rid of the yoke. And two of the positions speak about honoring and praising 333 million gods of the Hindu gods. And that in Hindu University in America, they say there's metaphysical things that go on in your body. Well, of course. And I have Christian friends who redeemed the practice of yoga from those heathen gods. And they say that God has created in the body a way to heal themselves and release energy through physical work and through a physical exercise. And that God created us with this phenomenal body and that we can release them through these exercises, but they don't bow down to any 33 million gods. They honor the God of creation and feel the redeeming power and peace of Jesus Christ in your heart as you exercise. I know in my own life, Three things that have helped me in the process of dealing with some of the stuff that I've dealt with that are heart-wrenching and, and terrible and ugly to see is my prayer life, my spending time meditating with God, and sometimes walking and praying to God, or getting physical exercise and praying to God and listening to his word to redeem my body from that stress. But it's not something that we give to some false God system. And that's what... Paul, uh, John is saying here today because there are many gods out there that want people to swallow up and say, you see, yoga is really an evangelistic tool for 
Eastern mysticism and the Eastern cult and the New Age movement. So just caution yourself. If you get involved with these groups for relaxing, make sure that it, you hear and truly follow in Jesus and not the world or these uh, Hindu gods. And that brings us to the second, third point, And that is the course. When you come into a group who comes to your door or a neighbor who means well wants to convert you to their religion, ask them what they do with Jesus Christ. This is, of course, the most important question you can ask. And you will find that's the question that really hits the hanger. Now, you'll find some groups that will lie about this. I remember when I was in Chicago, and I was in uh, Chicago Airport. I think it was uh, the larger one. And I remember the Moonies coming up and approaching me. And we were talking about, you know, what they believed in. And they oh, yeah. We, I said, but don't you believe that there's another Christ coming, Sun Young Moon? Well, kind of. Well, what do you believe about Jesus Christ? Oh, you know, Jesus came, of course, but he didn't do enough. Whoa, <laughs> that really knocked me for a loop. At least they were honest about that. And then I began to talk to them about Jesus Christ, and they no longer were interested. Why? Because they followed this false God and a false gospel, believing in Sung Young Moon, and yet they wanted to hide what they truly believed. If you have anybody come to your door, ask them, what do they believe about Jesus one group will say, well, he was a God, small g, and he was created, and he lived this life and would follow his pattern. Another group will say, well, he preexisted, and he was born, and he was created, and you see, and, and John says, no, that's not Jesus Christ, and that we just have to follow his example, and we'll follow him up to the third level of heaven. That's not the gospel. We come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord that saves us only by him alone. Today, Reformation Sunday, we celebrate because those reformers said enough of the craziness of trying to earn our way and indulgences and everything. They said, no, the, the solas, sola scripture, I only follow what the Bible says. Only Christ saves me, not another way or follow the pattern of Jesus, that Jesus died and came on the cross to save me, to wash away my sins. And he had to be man and God so that he could overcome that in our lives. If you want a way in which you can really discern what a group believes or what they come to you to present, look at the Apostles' Creed and you will see. What do they believe about the Holy Spirit? Do they believe that he's just a force? Or is he the person of God in our hearts and works in the world today. The Ruach of the Old Testament that's all over the world and in our hearts. Test it. Test their Christology. Do they believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? Like John is pointing out, their Christology and Gnosticism was way off. And there's Gnostics all over today that don't believe that Jesus came in the flesh. And they promote themselves as Christian organization, but they're really not. Because they don't believe Christ is the Redeemer. Christ had to become man and God at the same time to bring us the salvation that we have today. And it is very disturbing to me. I want to just do this little sidetrack here. I was asking myself the question, how many ministers today actually believe that Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary? And I was stunned 
Because when I looked at several polls in the last 20 years, it continues to go down. And that there are pastor Protestant ministers who do not need and do not believe in the virgin birth. I had a parishioner come out of here today who said to me 30 years ago when she was going to her other church before she came here to worship here, she remembers her Methodist minister saying, well, it really doesn't matter what you believe about the virgin birth. What? If we don't believe Jesus was born of the virgin and that God entered that female body, then we can't have Jesus both as man and God to deliver us from our sin. And here, Protestant ministers sharing that. And in these, these, these um, surveys of these Protestant ministers, it was astounding to me that there were less than 40, 49% of the ministers in the Presbyterian church don't believe in that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. And it goes downhill from there. Methodist, Episcopal, all these churches that pastors are preaching, and yet they think nothing of giving the Apostles' Creed and saying it every Sunday at their church. How can this be? And you see, this is where the church is in trouble because we refuse to stand on the truth anymore and, and, and what was delivered by the apostles and by the prophets, and instead we're following our own gospels. And that's why it, the church is in trouble today. And John says there are two signs to tell you what a church is. Number one, he says, if they really have the Spirit of God, then they believe that Jesus came in the flesh. There are many churches that say, no, that he didn't come in the flesh. One of the prolific writers of the Christian walk right now is T.D. Jakes. And they put him in a bookstore, but he doesn't believe that Jesus came in the flesh. This is wrong. We need to stand against it. And then there's Again, another layer in Christianity today in the church who want to play the nice guy and want to say that all gods are the same. All religions are the same. And I want you to know this clear as a bell. And this is why Christianity is not liked among the religions because Jesus said it himself. I am the way, not a way. I am the truth, not a truth. I am life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's why Christianity's distinction upsets many other religions. That's why a lot of people don't like Christianity and can't put up with it because they, don't, they want us to melt in with all the other religions and we can't. Because unless Christ went to the cross and died for us, we're all going to hell. And they don't want to know that. And you see what Jesus said, what John says, is their origin is hell. That's where it comes from. And so John gives us the markers. Number one, that Jesus came in the flesh. That the Christology, uh, what they think about Christ and the authority of God's word is so important. That's why Luther pinned those 95 theses onto the wall. Because the church got away from that. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says there will come wolves. 
in sheep's clothing, hiding themselves among you to try to deceive you. John says to us, remember the word. Remember what has been spoken to you. And let me tell you, some of these groups, they're right once in a while. They maybe hit something right. It's kind of like my clock in my office. I haven't put a battery in it in about 10 years. And it's 234. And guess what? Two times a day, that, that clock is right. But the rest of the time, it's wrong. And there's a lot of groups out there that claim, that claim they're true. But in reality, they're preaching another gospel. There are modern prophets in Christianity today. To be honest with you, if they followed what the Old Testament said, a lot of them would be dead. Because they write books about the end and the future. They try to predict right away. The Bible says in the Old Testament that if a prophet makes a prophecy and it doesn't come true, it'll be taken out and killed. And there are many great guys I know and friends. Jonathan Kahn, who's a very prolific author about the end of times things. And he's been wrong. <laughs> David Orrell, he's another one who predicted, he says, 9-11 through uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls. And then it didn't come fully to fruition. Or the Donald Trump election. And how they claimed that he was going to go a second term and he hasn't. You see, all these prophets, so to speak, are they truly speaking God's word? Or are they following another gospel? Online conspiracies run through evangelical Christians, and we have to be so careful what we buy into on Facebook and all this other stuff because a lot of it is soaking up Christians and taking a lot of their time and following false gospels. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, it says, when a prophet speaks the Lord's name and the message does not come true or does not fulfill the message of the Lord has not been spoken, the prophet has spoken presumptuously, but do not be afraid. You see, we need to really be, and, and not only is the message that they preach so important, and that their Christology is right, or they'll have their Christ down, but secondly, that the character of their lives. John said, you are of God, little children. You have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you and you've got a greater power and you can discern these things as you walk in the word and as the Holy Spirit reveals them to you, you have the power to overcome them. They are in the world. Therefore, they speak of the world. The world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us and he who is not of God does not hear us. He's talking about the word. And by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John is speaking very boldly. And he says you're an overcomer by the Holy Spirit inside of you. And don't give yourself to this. We are living in victory. But we will overcome even Satan himself and all these false teachings. And John is warning. He's very concerned and that's why he gives us this test of knowing Christ and understanding who Christ is 
and not being bamboozled by some group that comes along and tries to knock you off your faith. And that we don't parrot the message of the world. They parrot the message of the world, John says. And we see that. We should not be surprised when unbelievers don't listen to us because there are some who are proclaiming a gospel that is not God's gospel. And we need to make sure they understand the truth of the gospel. A single presentation does not make a teacher right, especially if his moral life is not right. John tells us, look at their life. Look what they're following in their life. Gardner Ted Armstrong, big name. And he was leading a cult. Because what happened, he got kicked out of his church because of a moral failure. At the height, he had 100,000 people following him on TV. $70 million annually was coming into the coffers. And when he made that moral choice, he was excommunicated from his own church for that immorality. And what he came out and said was, what you do with your private life doesn't matter. Between, it's just between you and God. That's what he said. And he said, it doesn't matter as long as you know it before God. Hmm. And we see that happened with preachers who are into making you feel you're the God and that God wants to just bless you with all kinds of goodies and wants you to have that mansion. He wants you to be filled with prosperity. That's the prosperity gospel, friends. And that does not mean that. God wants us obedient and holy. I remember Reverend Ike back on the East Coast in New York City. Many black people came to him and were looking for prosperity because they were broke. They'd even bring their last $10 and give it to them. And they'd have testimonies of people who brought $10 in that last week and then they found a check for $1,000 on their door. And people wanted the money. And then he made statements that were so anti-biblical that it was ridiculous. One of them was, the love of money is not the root of all evil, he said. The lack of money is the root of all evil. Totally flipping what Jesus said. Then he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. He said, all the other churches are doing that. He said, seek ye first the kingdom and what is added unto me. That's the gospel he was preaching. And there were people who were buying into it. It was their own greed. And it's so easy for preachers to exploit people in their times of need. Well, Jesse Duplantis, televangelist, needed to have a Falcon jet. He needed a jet that would take him all around the world and not have to stop going to Europe. And then you have Kenneth Copeland who says he needed the Gulfstream jet that he bought from Tyler Perry because he didn't want to fly in a tube with heathen people in the same plane. 
And people buy into this stuff. We know it. We've seen it. How do these guys get these jets? And it's a doctrine of demons. And today, John speaks to us. Wants us to be very clear what we believe. And what we understand. And when we hear somebody speaking this garbage, we understand that they're not from Christ. And that they understand the truth of the gospel. You have friends who might have bought into some of this. I remember going to a guy, a, a, a young man had drowned down at Joyland. And I got into ministering to his grandfather who was feet, legs were blowing up with water. He had a heart condition. And I remember going to talk to him several times and I was going with Frank Walker. And he said, Pastor, I watched this one minister. I'm not going to name his. Well, I should, anyway, he said, if I sent him $1,500, he would send me the oil that I could sprinkle on my legs and would heal my legs. He said, I did. I sent him $1,500. And he sent me the oil and I sprinkled them on the legs and nothing ever happened. And I contacted them. I, I finally called them and I said, can I have my money back because it didn't work? And they said, well, no, you got to send another $1,500. I could not believe it. This guy didn't have much. And yet he sent $1,500 and, and he asked me, should I send him another $1,500? I said, no. It's paying for his ministry. And it's tragic because they were taking advantage of this poor man's illness. And see, John knows how much it can hurt by falling into the false teachings of many charlatans that are out there. And that we understand the most important thing is number one, what do they say about Jesus? And they may even say good things about Jesus and they may even say the right things. But if they're doing that kind of stuff and taking away from people and building mansions for themselves and Gulfstream jets, we really have to question that. And so here we are. See that their message is from the world. And they speak of the world. And the world hears them because people want to be wealthy or want to be healthy. They want to be rich. And John says, no. John says, test the spirits. Make sure that the word of God, they are speaking it. That they're not manipulating it for their own way. That they truly believe that Jesus came in the flesh and he died for us. That they're consistent in their lives. That's how you can know. Test the spirits. I have a friend that comes to a Bible study on Tuesday morning. And for 30 some years, he was a head of a large bank in town security system. He hired many of their people that worked in their security branch of the bank. And he went to training with the Secret Service to help his tellers and everybody discern how to tell a true dollar bill or a true 20 or a true 50 from the fraud. And he said that they taught them, take the good one 
and have them study that bill so well that when they're handed a fraudulent bill, they can immediately know what it feels like, what's supposed to be on it, and they could spot a false document a mile away. And that's what John is saying to us. He says, know your word. Know that Jesus came into the flesh and that he died for you and that he was truly God and truly man. Know the true one. And the more we know Christ and God's gospel, the more we can spot the false gospel and that we can truly call it for what it is and prevent the damage from happening. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come to you today as people who love you, people who want to enjoy you and are grateful for our salvation. But John gives us a harsh reality. There are people who want to take that from us, want to destroy our witness, who have their own personal gain to take advantage. We just pray, Lord, that you will continue to fill us with your Holy Spirit and that we can test those spirits and then that the Holy Spirit within us is greater than any spirit within the world and that, Lord, we can spot the fraud and we can help our friends and our loved ones who easily get it caught up in these schemes of the devil and to break that in their lives so that they can find the true Jesus who loved them and died for them. Thank you, Lord, for challenging us today with the command to test the spirits. Help us to do it well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please rise for the benediction and then we can close with singing our closing song. Now go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God your Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen.